Welcome back to my podcast, Slice of Life Stories. Today I'm going to walk through how this story developed um, and just go from there and, and read the first few pages. Um, the working title of the story is Facilitation. The name will definitely be changed before I publish it because it really has nothing to do with the, uh, the story or the genre of the story or the theme of the story, but um, it's, it's what I'm going with at the moment. I started writing it just as a short story as a result of a writing prompt exercise I posted at Writers Supporting Writers. Um, the prompt was basically uh, picking a word somewhat randomly from the dictionary for five or six or seven days and then writing a story using each of those words every few hundred words. Um, So facilitate was the first word. I had to use that in the first page or two of the story. I don't remember what the other words were, but again, each, each day I posted a word and anybody who wanted to participate could use that word in the chunk of writing they were doing that day. Um, Once that exercise was over, I had a little short story and I was kind of done with it. But then November came around and November is National Novel Writing Month or NaNo or NaNoWriMo. um, And the objective of which is to write a 50,000 word novel in the month of November. Um, I've tried it a couple of times. It's actually what got me started writing almost 20 years ago. And I thought this year I would take this story and see what I could do with it uh, during the month of November. And by the end of the month, I was, I think, around 20 or 25,000 words. Um, I don't think it's possible for me to write 50,000 words in a month because of the way I write. But I at least had developed a story that didn't exist in my mind or on my computer before October. Um, while writing it, I think at the end of November, uh, I decided, um, initially the story is told in first person from the perspective of Chloe, who is the wife in a very dysfunctional marriage. Um, but at the end of November, I decided that it should change to third person and include other voices, other narrators from the, um, the cast of characters. So I started converting it into third person and got about halfway through that first 20 or 25,000 words and I decided, no, never mind. I want this to be entirely Chloe's story. So I went back to first person and continued to write, um, work on it. And uh, last week I wrote the concluding scene and the kind of summarization of the end, um, which unfortunately seems to be a thing that frequently happens in books. Um, But anyway, that's kind of how the story uh, came to be. A short story from a writing prompt that eventually became a 45,000 word story that's not quite long enough to be a novel So I guess I'll call it a novella. And uh, here are the first few pages of the story. Facilitation. How it started. How was your weekend, babe? 
I took a breath or two. It was okay. John leaned over and whispered in my ear, just okay, because I wasn't there with you. I pushed him away and looked out the office door. Stop it, someone might see. Don't forget the first rule. Oh, come on, nobody's here yet. You know that, we've got a few minutes. It's not nine o'clock yet. He wasn't wrong. One of the things that always amazed me about the office, a place where the work hours were supposed to be eight to five, but most of the staff didn't show up until nine o'clock, all while still taking their lunch break and smoke breaks and walk breaks and coffee breaks and their, oh, I just need a minute breaks, and then having to leave early for a kid's game or a doctor's appointment or, hell, a manicure. Yeah, but I told you, never here. We have to be careful. I took a look at him a couple of feet away with that look in his eyes, the one that told me how eager he was for me. My husband. I can't. Not yet. Never forget the first rule. John sat down in one of the chairs in front of the desk, right as Sylvia, the front desk receptionist, walked by the open doorway. I motioned towards her and whispered, See? Fine. What happened this weekend, Chloe? It's nothing, really. I paused, wondering whether to really get into it. After all, John had never showed much interest in my kids, and this was all about my daughter. I took the plunge anyway, to see if there was a connection we could make, one that didn't revolve around sex. It's just that my daughter's team was eliminated from the tournament. She's heartbroken, and I am for her as well. Soccer? No, John. I sighed, accepting my mistake. Not soccer. That's my son. Clarice plays softball. But if they had won, her team would have gone to the regional tournament in Reno next week. She'll get over it. Well, she hasn't yet. She's been in tears since Saturday when they lost. It's just a game, John shrugged. Maybe she shouldn't take it so seriously. I sat back in my chair and looked at the man who had filled a hole that I didn't really know existed until he came along. I'd taken a chance, dipped a toe in the deep end, and then jumped. Here we were, talking about one of my kids like it was nothing. What I really wanted to do was run away from it at all. My husband, who never seemed to care about where I was going or what I was feeling. The job, which at one time seemed to be the career I wanted, but more and more was just a job. And Clarice and Albert, I loved them so, so much. But sometimes I wondered whether I could finish the job of raising them without irreparably harming them. There were moments when I looked at my life and wondered if I had made such a mess of it, how I could possibly think I could be a good mom and produce children who were better at life than I was. The softball tournament and Clarice's response was a perfect example. If I had been a better mom, would my daughter have reacted as though it was the end of the world? No, correct that. She was still reacting that way. She had begged me to allow her to stay home from school. After a firm refusal was met with more tears, I finally relented with an admonition, only today. I leaned over Clarice, who remained huddled under blankets and kissed her forehead. Take a break, relax, but tomorrow you're back in school right? Yes, mom, she said with her traditional eye roll, which told me she just might be okay, even as I worried about the long run, how all of this would play out in the years ahead.
John wasn't the answer to my prayers. For almost six months, he'd been a part of the answer, a huge part. But in those months, there was only one connection we had managed to make. It was a damn good connection, but I needed more. More than my husband was apparently willing to give, and more that I had given a chance to John to provide. John, I leaned forward, you don't have kids. You can't possibly, he held up his hands to stop me. Something Mike did all the time. Something that drove me absolutely crazy. Don't you dare do that. What? Don't shush me. Don't interrupt me. Don't. What is going on with you today? I settled back in the chair, looked at my computer screen, and saw that there was an email from Mike. I clicked on it. He wanted to know what was going to be for dinner that night. I just couldn't. Not anymore. I turned my attention back to John. I don't know. I'm just sad for my little girl right now, even if she isn't that little anymore. He opened his mouth, and this time I was the one to hold up my hand to shush. I'm sad about a lot of things, John. A lot of things. Can I just be sad without having to explain myself, please? He stood and looked at me as he turned to walk out of the office. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. Just know that I love you. Love. Was that what they had? Sure. I had said those magic three words to John every now and then. But was that that really what it was? I wasn't so sure anymore. I turned back to my computer screen and Mike's email. What do you want? I typed and clicked send and then closed my office door before returning to my chair and leaning back. I thought about where I was with Mike, with John, with the kids. But back to Mike and John, I felt the whole thing was just, well, redundant. When Mike entered my life, he lit a fire in me. Sure, the embers had died down as we settled into married life and kids and work and bills and days and weeks and months would go by, with barely an intimate thought or touch passing between us. Truth was, it was a hell of a lot worse than that. We weren't even roommates anymore. We barely passed as housemates just there, passing each other by as we went about our separate lives. And maybe it was even worse than that. Hell, I was having an affair. Then John came along and rekindled that fire. But did that make it right? Did all I could conclude was that I was massively fucked up. I leaned forward and put my head on my desk and tried to resist the tears grateful that the door was closed, the blinds were drawn, and nobody would see. I eventually got myself together, opened the door, and went back to my desk to get some work done. Emails, phone calls, a brief meeting with the big, big boss who wanted some answers to some questions a reporter had regarding one of our biggest clients. Besides lobbying, Cuthbert and Palmer also provided crisis management services to politicians and assorted hacks. Our comms director was there. We spent a few minutes noodling over the questions, trying to massage some answers that would appear harmless. It's when, what happens when the client is accused of sexual harassment. Back in my office, I saw that Mike responded to my email and said he wanted tacos. Tacos. Because tacos every week for years was just one of those things we did. One of those things he always wanted. So, tacos it would be. 
Chicken or beef? I asked in reply. Before I could do anything else, he answered back, Adobada, with an exclamation point. Nope, not going to happen, unless you do it. That takes hours to marinate. I won't get home in time. He knew that, too. Fine. Beef, then. I let out a big sigh as I walked out of my office and headed towards the kitchen in search of coffee. I would have preferred a direct infusion into my veins, but since that wasn't possible, I poured myself a cup and went back to my desk. My phone, which I had left behind, was vibrating there. A text from Clarice. Mommy, can you come home? I sat down and looked at the words. She was 14. I couldn't remember the last time she had called me mommy. I sent a text back. What's wrong? Can it wait until I get home? My phone was silent for a moment. I took a sip of coffee. I looked at my computer. There was an email from John. I could see a few words in the window that showed the beginning of the email. It wasn't work-related. I wished, not for the first time, that he would stop emailing, and before I knew what I was doing, I picked up my phone and texted my sad daughter what I meant to email to John. Stop it! Seconds later, what? She even added a crying emoji. I looked at the text string, saw what I had done. That wasn't meant for you, honey. What did dad do now, came her rapid response. Damn, it was amazing how perceptive, perceptive she was sometimes. I shouldn't have been shocked, even if the text wasn't meant for her father. Clarice had started asking questions that hinted a bit about the state of her marriage. She understood, which given the Laveny arrangements in the house also shouldn't have been shocking. But I couldn't tell her who the text was really meant for. I ignored her question. Tell you what, I'll come home in a little bit. What do you want for lunch? I got a happy face emoji and a taco emoji. Tacos for dinner tonight. Come up with something else. I emailed Mike and told him I was headed home because her daughter wasn't doing well and I'd get the Atabata started. Another fat, happy face emoji popped up in response and I wanted to scream, but I didn't. I suffered in silence, like I'd been doing for years. On my way out the door, I stopped by John's office, stopping in the doorway. Hey, just letting you know I'm headed home. He stood up and took a step towards me. No, Clarice needs me, but we need to talk. Lunch tomorrow. I turned and fled before he could say anything. I wasn't interested in another emoji or John's in-person version of the same. I just needed to get home. The drive gave me a chance to keep thinking things through. By the time I hit the driveway, I knew it was time to facilitate a few things. I took Clarice the meatball sandwich she had requested when tacos were a no. How you doing, Claire Bear? I asked when I went into her room. She sniffled and took the sandwich. I'm okay. Yeah. I guess so. I mean, it's just a game, right? Yes, it is. I sat down on Clarice's bed next to her and brushed her hair from her face. It's just a game. I was repeating John's early dismissal of my daughter's trauma, but there it was. You'll have a lot more games to play and win in the years ahead. I really wanted to win on Saturday, though. I know, and that's okay, too. Just realize you won't win every game. She took a bite of her sandwich and smiled. 
You'll go back to school tomorrow, right? Clarice sighed dramatically. If I must, you must. I rose and went into the kitchen and unpacked the groceries for the tacos. I got everything together, marinated the pork, and then went looking for Mike. He was able to work from home, but he took it seriously. He wouldn't have taken a break to get the autobata going. No, he stayed in his basement office all day long, no matter what, doing who knows what. I knew my husband was a consultant. I knew it had something to do with emergency preparedness and business continuity. But beyond that, what exactly he did all day was beyond me. John was looking at his computer, squinting at a spreadsheet on the screen when I walked in. Numbers filled the space as he slowly scrolled. I sat in the recliner he kept there for when he slept in the basement. The squish of the leather alerted him to my presence and he turned his chair to face me. Hey, what's going on? He asked. Nothing. I brought lunch for Clarice. Have you talked to her? No, I've been... Of course, you've been working. You couldn't bother to notice that your daughter is heartbroken, could you? I stood up and leaned against his desk. What is it you actually do down here all day anyway? I had asked the question before and never really got a satisfactory answer. Work. You know that. Sure, but what exactly? I want to know what keeps you so focused down here you don't even notice what's going on in your family with your, our daughter. I started rearranging the papers on his desk, shuffling them here and there, generally just making a mess of them. Stop that, he grunted, moving to protect his desktop from my interfering hands. Do you even realize what's going on with me? With us? I knew the answer to the question. He didn't. Or even worse, he didn't care. It had been years since the last time he had checked in with me or had much of anything to do with the kids other than going to the occasional game, practice, or school event. We were a family in name only. What are you talking about? Mike got all his papers away from me and was starting to leaf through them, reorganizing them, not looking at me. You must know by now. I sat back down in the recliner, moved the footrest out, and kicked back. I rested my hands on my stomach and looked at my husband. I have no idea what you're talking about. Mike, we need to talk. I have to work, he turned back to his computer screen. Can this wait until tonight? Fine. I slammed the footrests closed and stormed up the stairs. That night, after a dinner of tacos that Mike asked for and I made, I went to talk to him after cleaning up, but he was back in his basement again. So much for facility in a conversation that might change the dynamics of our marriage. I gave up. I texted John and suggested we take a long lunch the next day. Maybe at his place. In response, I got another smiley face emoji. I had made a decision, one that was almost forced on me. It involved a swan song for my marriage. I was going to pull up, put all my marbles in another basket. That night, I slept more peacefully than I had in a long time. When Mike tried to talk to me in the morning, I had three words for him. Not the ones might, one might think of in a marriage. No, I just told him, it's too late, and walked out the door without looking back. I was going to have a great day, spend a little time with John, and then move on. Thank you.